Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to Sunday Podcast. This is our chance to play for you some of the best moments from the radio show and some great interviews during the week that you may have missed. If you ever want to check out our show, go to Bongino.com. Go to Station Finder and see what radio station we're on near you. You'll love it. I promise you. We put a lot of work into the radio show. Check it out. But before that, let me tell you about our first sponsor. You ready to discover the incredible benefits of a good night's sleep? You know I'm a life hacks guy. Sleep matters. It's time to awaken your senses and embrace the importance of restful slumber. Dive into the world of sleep and introduce yourself to an amazing product that could revolutionize your nighttime routine. Beam Dream. It's a game changer. Their dream powder is a hot cocoa designed specifically for sleep. It could transform your nights. Gee, what did I just tell you about this stuff? Not part of the at all. This stuff's amazing. Sleepy time after you drink this stuff. They have flavors like cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter. It's a treat to sip on before bedtime. It tastes amazing, and you're going out. The secret lies in Dream's powerful all-natural brand of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, and apigenin. These ingredients work synergistically and help you fall asleep faster. It's that simple. Stay asleep longer and help you wake up feeling refreshed. No next-day grogginess. Here's the best part for our listeners. Beam's offering an exclusive discount on their dream powder. Just try it. Thank me later. For a limited time, you can get up to 40% off when you visit shopbeam.com slash Bongino. Use code Bongino at checkout. Take control of your sleep and experience the wonders of Beam Dream. Shopbeam.com slash Bongino. Use code Bongino for up to 40% off. Your body and mind deserve the gift of restful night's sleep. First up today, we talk with Glenn Jacobs. I love this guy. Good friend, rising star in the Republican Party. Uh, you may have seen him before. He was Kane in the old WWE. Good man. Has some interesting ideas about where the Republican Party's moving uh, towards in the future. We interviewed him, asked him also about the interesting transition between professional wrestling and politics. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot in common there. So check that out. So funny story for you. A couple of years ago, I'm at Politicon in L.A. in the heart of liberal America. Well, we're on the air right now. Hello to our conservative friends out there at KBC. And I'm at this event. I wind up uh, storming off the stage because of two idiots. I got into a uh, verbal thing with uh, I was a moderator and this, this dunce on MSNBC. So I, I go to the next event. I'm all fired up. And at the next event, I run in. Uh, to this guy, and he, I was a big follower of the WWE. I, I, I just love it. It was entertaining. It's this good old-fashioned American entertainment at its finest. So he's hard to miss. I run into him. He's a big dude. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm not really starstruck that often, but this is really cool. It was uh, Glenn Jacobs who, who was Kane in the WWE. And he, I got to tell you, folks, he could not have been nicer. I was really expecting something different. Maybe, you know, I'm kind of busy. And, and he couldn't have been nicer. And uh, we've been friends ever since. That was about five years ago. And we finally got him on the show. Mayor Glenn Jacobs of Knox County, it is so good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. When you were telling that story, I was like, I wasn't one of the idiots on the panel, was I? <laughs> no. <laughs> and if you were, I wouldn't tell you. Because, but no, you were one of the good guys, and you were so you were so kind and 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 just such a genuinely nice guy. I remember saying to my wife after the panel, like, my gosh, I didn't expect that. I expected you to be rude, but you're such a big guy. I mean, anyone who's seen you. Uh, in character or out of character as Kane, you know, you're a really, really big guy and you were just so pleasant, nice to talk to. And I'm so glad we've stayed in contact. 
Uh, let me let me start with this question. So you start in the WWE. Uh, your A and E special, by the way, I I DM'd you afterwards because I was so blown away by it. I didn't realize how many stops and starts you had had in the WWE until you settled into this Kane role, and then it just became iconic. I mean, you and the Undertaker. Th- did you kind of know right away like you'd really hit something with that? Yeah, I unfortunately uh, not had some success with the other characters uh, when I first got in the WWE in 1995. Uh, but obviously, when the Kane character came along in 1997, I knew that it was a big deal, uh, and they were putting me into a great position where I could be very successful. I mean, the table was absolutely set for success, whether I could pull it off or not. Uh, I think it was a question that a lot of people had. Uh, but, yeah, I, I knew that. I mean, you just don't get those kind of opportunities. Uh, for those folks that don't watch professional wrestling, an Undertaker is literally the most iconic character right. figure in the history of WWE. So coming in with the storyline against him, I mean, it, it's like being traded to the Chicago Bulls <laughs> in, when Michael right. Jordan's there. It's, it, that's kind of the right. equivalent pro wrestling. Yeah. We're talking to Glenn Jacobs, the Republican mayor of Knox County, uh, Tennessee. Just a wonderful guy. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't want to spend too much time because you're, you're, you become such a prominent voice in the Republican Party. But a conversation I had with Tyrus, uh, you probably know him from Fox. He's in a different organization, but really nice guy. And we were chatting on the radio one day, and I talked to a lot of of your former colleagues in the WWE. I'm not going to name them. You you know who they are, but they're all just wonderful guys. And I had mentioned on the radio without saying their names, I said, Tyrus, I'm stunned how many of them are passionate one about this country, but are real conservatives. They really love the idea of defending God-given liberties, you know, you don't see that in the entertainment industry. He said, Dan, there's a reason why. He goes, a lot of these guys are independent contractors. They're running their own kind of semi-autonomous businesses. They're busting their butts. They're paying the government a ridiculous amount of taxes. And they just want the government out of their lives. And they're out there performing in what liberals call flyover country, you know, what we call home. And they're meeting real people. He's like, I'm stunned when I meet a wrestler who's not conservative. And <laughs> as a guy who's been at the height of the industry, your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, Tyrus is a good friend of mine. He was actually in WWE for a while uh, while I was there, and I'm just so proud and happy of all the success that he's had. And yeah. he's another—he's just a sweetheart. He's just a, a great dude. Um, and our stories are not—you know—we're not identical, but uh, but kind of similar. Um, you know, he he grew up in a broken home and and had a really rough upbringing. I had loving parents, but we didn't really have a whole lot. My dad is retired military and worked in factories and got laid off. And when I think about my life and the fact that I've been very blessed to be able to have done what I've done through the opportunities that this country has given me, and I'm, I'm a product of the American dream, man. You know, I got, I got, I failed at stuff and failed at stuff. Finally found something I was good at, and I was able to live a life that I never thought possible. And that's the opportunities you get in this country. If you're willing to to keep at it, to use your God-given gifts and talents in a way that benefit other people, and you're willing to work hard, there's no telling how far you can go. And then that's actually how I got into politics. Uh, on When you're talking specifically about the professional wrestling aspect of it, uh, we are independent contractors in WWE, which means we are not subject to withholding tax. And I'm going to tell you something. If we would like to see a lot more conservatives in this country right. eliminate withholding tax and actually make right. people write a check 
to right. the IRS. Right, cut the check. See how, yeah, <laughs> see how much money you're really paying, and then watch what the politicians do with it. That's actually what really kind of drove me over the edge, and I realized I'm paying all this money, and they're just oh, wasting gosh, it. And too. I could do so oh, much gosh. better, not only for me, but for my community, if I were allowed to keep a lot more of that money. Mr. Mayor, I say that all the time. I like you. I have to cut a check every quarter. The amounts are obscene. And I say to myself, listen, I, I love my military. I'm a constitutionalist. I get the idea of post roads, our military, a court sure. system. I understand that. However, 40% of my income, what the hell yep. are you doing for me? I mean, really, 40% between state, local, and federal. Yeah, I mean, they pick up the garbage. That's it. I mean, I've had the cops here once or twice because some lunatics showed up, but that's it. Like, what the hell are they doing taking 40% of your money? What the feds do with it, and it's just all political stuff, you know, and none of it actually, very little of it actually benefits people. And it's stuff that the state and local folks, and, and being a local government, I know this, we could do a lot more effectively at a much lower cost than what the feds do. Yeah, we're talking to Mayor Glenn Jacobs of Knox County, Tennessee. You may have known him in a prior life as Kane, an iconic wrestling figure from the WWE. Uh, Mr. Mayor, so you are, I mean, you're hands-on at the local level. And I follow you on social media, and you're a really deep guy. I mean, you really are into defending God-given liberty. You are, this is not some kind of a shtick for you at all. I mean, this is, this is real. I can tell by the way you so passionately tweet about civil liberties. Your thoughts about this metastasizing police state we're in now, the weaponization of law enforcement, um, the, 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 the politicization of, of, of uh, the court system in some respects, the endless attacks on things like your God-given right to self-protection. I mean, pro-lifers finding themselves in jail, you know, for trying to defend human life while BLM and Antifa rampage through the streets. I mean, the whole idea of a constitutional republic is that justice is supposed to be blind, and that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. No, when Thomas Jefferson wrote that all people are created equal, he didn't say that they were endowed or he didn't mean that they were all endowed with the same talents and abilities. What he meant was they're all supposed to be equals under the law and, and as seen by the government. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, we have two classes, uh, you know, the, the politically connected and the rest of us, frankly. Uh, and what the folks on the left need to understand is as this continues, at some point, they're going to realize that there are there are two, there are two classes: the rulers and the ruled. And they think that they're going to be in the ruling class. They're not. They're going to be just like the rest of us. That's what's happened around the world. But to your point specifically, it, it's it's incredibly tragic and it's very sad because we are becoming a banana republic. I mean, yeah. there's there's just no doubt about it. When, when you can't speak your mind when big tech and the government collude to silence dissenting voices. When you see what's happening, I mean, you know, I'm talking about keeping Donald Trump off of the ballot in certain states. Right. Well, you may not That's like insane. Trump. But what in right. the world? You want to talk about election interference? The weaponization of federal agencies and deciding we're going to prosecute these people, we're going to prosecute Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden's over here. Uh, just ignore what he did. Uh, that 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 just that it doesn't. It we're we're in a terrible terrible situation, and you know if if this continues, we're going to go down the path that so many other great countries have gone down, which is from freedom back to tyranny. We're headed there like a rocket sled on rails at this point. Yeah, we're talking to Mayor Glenn Jacobs, Knox County, 
Tennessee, a rising star in the Republican Party. If you ask anyone out there, they'll tell you, keep your eyes on, on this gentleman. Uh, Mr. Mayor, you know, as, as, as a um, medium-sized kind of place, mayor, not really a small town per se, but small enough, you, you see it. I mean, the principle of subsidiarity, uh, you see it up close and personal, which is the best management is local management. Because obviously you get to know people by face and by name and their vote, their votes matter more, too. And that's a good thing. As a mayor, you want to know that you're accountable to your constituents. You see it better than anyone. But if we're going to change this country, you know, Jordan Peterson argues in in his book, 12 Steps, about how we got to start making our own bed first. And I think the American Renaissance is going to start in places like Knox County, where people just say, you know what, we've had enough. We are citizens of the United States of America. The Constitution matters here. The sheriff abides by it. I'm the mayor. We're going to abide by it. If you want to do something extra constitutional in your liberal city and burn that place to the ground, then you know what? I don't approve of it, but I can't stop it. It's not going to happen here. And I think that's where the renaissance is going to start. And I'll bet a lot of the citizens in your constituents feel the same way. Absolutely. Here in Tennessee, when we look out at what's happening in other parts of the country, we just shake our heads. We're, we're a great state. Um, I don't generally praise politicians very often, but I think our General Assembly has done a really good job. And frankly, Dan, you know this, that's where the power is supposed to reside. It's not supposed to reside in the federal government. That's an organization with very limited, defined powers. Most of the authorities reside with the state and also with the localities by extension. Uh, that's what the Tenth Amendment is all about. And, and I absolutely agree with you. I think actually the single most important thing that folks can do is ensure they have good th- good people in their state legislatures because we're going to have to – good states like Tennessee, Florida, Texas, uh, South Dakota, and others, you know, we're going to have to build a firewall uh, around our states to essentially keep some of the foolishness out. One of the things yeah. that we've seen here is, is – there's a lot of folks moving here from the blue states. And, of course, folks here get nervous because they think they're liberals coming in to take things over. The folks that I talk to, they're political refugees. They are fleeing the yes. blue states and coming to some place where people think like them. And I think that what we're going to see across the country is we're going to see an even further bifurcation of red and blue America. And the red's going to get redder and the blue is going to get bluer. And I'm with you. It's like, man, you guys do what you want over there. But leave right, us alone right. here. <laughs> And let the people decide which is the best. I guarantee you we'll win when that happens. Folks, if you want to learn more about Mayor Glenn Jacobs, and you should, his website is jacobsformayor.com. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Glenn, with two N's, at Glenn Jacobs, T-N, short for Tennessee. Uh, He's a great guy. Again, you know him from the WWE, but he's a lot deeper than that character. He's a good man. Follow him. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I got to run, but I just want to say you were absolutely correct. I've seen the same thing down here in Florida. Uh, There's been this big fear about northeastern liberals coming down here. But the people coming down here are the firemen. They're the cops. They're the carpenters. They're tired of that stuff. That's why Florida's turned blood red. It's because a lot of transplants want to go to Tennessee and want to go to Florida and are looking for a uh, a refuge uh, for freedom. And it's guys like you doing it. Hey, you are welcome back anytime, by the way. And uh, I hope you'll come back again. My audience loves you. And by the way, my nephew is an enormous fan Uh, My nephew, James, he wanted me to tell you how much he loves you. He watches you guys on video clips, you and The Undertaker. So he's my, I love this kid so much. I don't have any sons, so I've kind of like taken him in. And I just want you to know you impacted a lot of people's lives. I know, you know, when you're doing it, it's a job, but 
you're an important guy, man. A lot of people care about you. So thanks for what you did and what you're doing. We appreciate it. Dan, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to come back, and I hope everybody has a, a great holiday weekend. Thank you, sir. Absolutely a done deal. Folks, that was Glenn Jacobs. Again, you may have known him as Kane, but he is a really, really deep guy. Follow him on social media. You'll see what I mean. He really deeply cares about this. This is one of these rising stars in the Republican Party you're not done hearing about. You got guys like him and Mark Robinson out there. These are guys who totally get it. And I'm telling you, this renaissance is going to happen in small. I live in a mid-sized town, and this town has gotten redder and redder over time. That's where the real renaissance is going to start. Up next, mandates are back, but let me tell you about our next sponsor first. EnviroCleanse. You should uh, choose an air purifier like your life depends on it because it just might. Folks, more than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed a military-grade air purification for your home. I have one running right now. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save an incredible, a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. If you're going to buy, buy now. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to help wipe out some airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even some toxic gases and some particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the military chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our fleets. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now is the time to save 30% of your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a $250 savings. Visit ekpure.com. Use code Bongino, my last name. That's ekpure.com, code Bongino, ekpure.com, code Bongino. I love this product. These statements and products have not been evaluated. By the Food and Drug Administration, these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. Thanks, EnviroCleanse. We appreciate it. I got a story about Lionsgate Films reimposing mask mandates right before the radio show started. That really set me off. Here's one of those epic rants you don't want to miss. Remember, do not comply. Hey, you all, you're all really smart people. You are. I mean, you listen to conservative talk radio, and I don't just say that because you're customers of our a particular product. I say that because it's true. People who listen to conservative talk radio are typically, you know, way ahead of the of the knowledge curve. I mean, how many examples do you need? The collusion hoax. We knew that was garbage from the beginning. The Hunter Biden story we knew was real. Uh, the Spygate story we knew was real. I mean, you're all that much smarter than your dopey liberal neighbors who don't know a damn thing about anything. I mean, it's it's evident in the polling data. Folks, but I, I hope you understand this. That none, none of what's going on is going to stop until you stop it. You know, uh, Ben Stein's dad, Herb Stein, the economist, said what can't continue won't. Now, he was talking about things like debt-driven economies that you can drive yourself only into so much debt until people start asking for their money back. So what can't continue it won't. Eventually, it'll stop. All debts are paid by the debtor or the creditor. But folks, I hate to tell you, that applies to tyranny, too. And you're living in it right now, and some people don't want to accept it. They still want to accept that things are going to go back to normal. Um, you know, we're not going to have to get involved. I'm sorry, but that's just bull. That's just, you know, you know the rest. Jim was like, I saw Jim's like, all of a sudden Jim's creeping back into the thing. I know, I know it's not the podcast. The podcast, I don't really censor myself too much. I should, but I don't. 
right before I came on the air, someone made a big mistake and sent to the show prep email, which I read. A news article, was that you, Jim, about Lionsgate? Lionsgate, the movie studio, is now reinstituting a mask mandate. It's not going to stop. Listen to me. It is not going to stop. I work at this company here, and things only changed when I got involved and took a big hit in this company to do it. That's a fact. You lived through it with me on the radio. None of this stuff is going to change until you just stop letting it happen. None of this is going to change. You will go through the same cycle of madness and hysteria and just craziness and lunacy every single time until you say, this bull stops here. There's too many of us. Why are we doing this again? Folks, it is time for brutally harsh political measures. Political measures. It is time for civil disobedience en masse. Listen to me, please. I'm begging you to understand this. You cannot sit on the sidelines anymore. I don't doubt that that's you. Most of you are actively involved, and I wouldn't blame you one bit if you're like, you don't need to tell me this, Dan. I'm involved. I don't need to tell you. You're absolutely correct. But there are some people listening who I swear to you feel like if I just shut up and stay on the sidelines, it's going to stop. It is not going to stop. These people will push you and poke you and prod you like a Thanksgiving turkey until you're carved up and there's nothing but some dried out bones left. They do this to you because they can. You may say, oh, it's just one crazy Hollywood suit. It's not. It's starting again. Do not comply anymore. Take this as a national rallying cry. Laugh it off. I don't care. But just do something. You think I'm crazy? Fine. Laugh all you want. Just do something. No more forced injections. No more face diapers on our freaking faces. We are human beings. We are not going to be masked by a bunch of insane freaking lunatics who think tissue paper over your face is going to save you against a microscopic virus from China. It is not going to stop you. If you fall for this, you will fall for anything. Just say no. The left has worshipped the idea of civil disobedience for decades. Now it's time to take it, to grab it, to own it, to be it, and take it for yourself. Lionsgate Productions Movie Studio, you want to mess around? You think it's screwing around time? Make sure, before you go to see any movie now, you check to make sure, see if it's a Lionsgate thing. If it's a Lionsgate production, don't even give them your money. I don't care what it is. Until you stop this, it will never stop. You are dealing with lunatics and maniacs. 
They don't care that that diaper on your face does squat. It doesn't do anything. It is nothing more than a symbol of how they can give you the freaking middle finger and you will do it. That's all it is. These guys know this story drives me crazy because it has nothing to do with a mask. I don't care about a damn mask. What I care about is being forced to do something by a tyrannical government that knows full well the something they're asking you to do is entirely ineffective and tells you to do it because they want you to shut your mouth and do it. Don't do it. Just stop. There are 330 million God-given free souls who live in this country. There's a couple hundred thousand of these idiots pretending to be in charge. Do not see a Lionsgate movie and let them know. Tweet about it. Truth social about it. Put it on Facebook. If you do not make an example out of them like you did out of Disney and Target and Bud Light and these others, if you do not teach one of them a lesson, the others will fall in line because they are weak and stupid. I am tired of these people. I'm tired of being told what to do by people dumber than me. Folks, I'm a guy of average intelligence. I tried to get into medical school. It didn't work. Okay? I do not have a 170 IQ. I just read a lot of stuff because I'm curious about the world. I am tired of being tired of people in charge of my life, with air quotes, who are freaking idiots. Oatmeal brains in the White House showing up at a the most catastrophic disaster in the history of Hawaii, telling a bold story about his the house nearly burning down while people lost their kids. Saying how he almost lost his cat, Ruffles, or whatever the hell the cat's name was. Nobody gives a damn about Ruffles, dude. These people lost their kids in a fire, their homes, their lives, their moms, their dads. No one wants to hear about oatmeal brains cat Ruffles, how he almost died in a freaking small kitchen fire 20 years ago, you dipstick. We are being led by a-holes, by stupid people. Do not comply anymore. I just thought about this today. I've got a dermatology appointment for this skin cancer thing coming up soon. I check all the time. That office does this whole mass craziness. That's it. New doctor. Don't comply anymore. Don't do the stupid anymore. And anyone who pulls the stupid, take your money and go somewhere else. Folks, this should be civil disobedience on a mass scale. If not now, when? How much more of this are you going to take? 
Folks, once one of them gets away with it, we will be right back where we were on the 15 days to stop the spread, which turned into total tyranny in this country. Closing schools, arresting people for surfing out in the ocean by themselves. That happened here. That wasn't North Korea, man. That happened here. That happened here. You can't let it happen again. You can't. They are ramping up this COVID hysteria because there's an election coming up and you've got a kid sniffing, plagiarizing, sociopathic lying, showering with his daughter, bribe taking oatmeal brains, loser in the White House who has almost zero chance of winning. Their only chance is COVID craziness and a mass mail-in ballot election. And if you let the craziness go, it is going to grow like a metastasizing tumor inside this body politic, and you're not going to be able to stop it. You have a chance to stop it now. Send Lionsgate Studios a tweet, a true social, an email. You will not see any of their films. They want to enforce this tyranny and be the first one out of the gate, then they're going to be the first one to be made an example of. Ask every presidential candidate what they think about it. Folks, I've never seen something so stupid in my life. I've never seen something as dumb as this in my, how tyranny starts so easily. You understand the government, every single serious healthcare public official in the government knows and is laughing at the fact, is mocking you for putting that mask on. They know this thing doesn't do anything. Can you imagine putting on a condom and getting everyone you were with pregnant? Would you wear it again? No. So how come everyone who wore a mask got COVID? Morons! It doesn't freaking work nearly everyone in the united states who put a mask on got covid it's not even close imagine putting that on your thing and you get syphilis the next day well that didn't work why would you wear it again jim what do you left i'm dead serious maybe it'll wake up the morons on the liberal side listening to the show right now, who are so stupid that they can't do simple logic and reason. I wear a mask every day. Did you get COVID? Yeah, I got it twice. Oh, that did great. That did great. I got vaccinated too in 72 boosters. This is my seventh time with COVID. It worked out great. Yeah. You're real smart. Yeah, right. Mild case. I'm vaccinated. The seventh time was no big deal. I thought I had allergies. It's working great. It's working great. Don't comply, man. Don't comply. I'm sorry, but you comply, you're playing into this whole thing. Listen, I told you my story going through the cancer thing, the people in the chemo room and stuff, but I can't tell you how many stores I walked out of, me and my wife both. We were in a mall down in Palm Beach, Guy in the Apple store, security guy, can't come in without a mask. I said, guess I can't come in. He's like, but I love your show. I said, love you too, bro. Don't matter. I'm still not coming in. Don't do it, man. You got to stop this here. You got to stop this right now. You have to stop it right now. 
his tumor will not stop growing. You can't tell me these stories before the show. I just get so pissed off, man. I can't. I just can't take it. How we just so easily fell into tyranny and so many people took it. You all fought back. Unfortunately, the fight's not over. We're going to have to do it again. Hey, I'm long on America, but you still have time to put up a fight. Don't comply. Up next, another great guest. But let's talk about our next sponsor. Helix Sleep. Deep, comforting sleep. Go to helixsleep.com. Take the sleep quiz. Takes just a couple minutes. I was matched to the Midnight Lux. I love it. Helix knows everyone's unique, so you have several different mattress models to match based on your body type and sleep preferences. When you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. When you receive your Helix mattress, you'll be obsessed with it. It's quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. You'll wake up feeling rested and refreshed. They have a 10-year warranty. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. This mattress is second to none. I sleep on it, love it. So do my kids, my mother-in-law, father, everyone. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 25% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners in honor of Labor Day. Go to helixsleep.com slash Dan and use code HELIXPARTNER25. Helix, H-E-L-I-X, PARTNER25. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Love my Helix mattress. Slept like a champion last night. An hour and 20 minutes of deep sleep, which for me is like a record. Here we talk with Julie Kelly, who's one of the only reporters out there accurately covering the police state and what's going on with the January 6th defendants and the war on Donald Trump. She has some fascinating information. She's actually been there for some of these trials. She's doing really great work. So unfortunately, there aren't a lot of journalists left. Um, matter of fact, uh, I could probably count on my two hands, maybe some toes, how many there are left. But one of them that's been doing just yeoman's work on the scandal involving the uh, persecution of a lot of people sitting in a D.C. gulag they are involved on January 6th uh, is Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly, Darren Beatty, and others are some of the few who've actually kept on top of this. She has a book out. Uh, it's been out for a while, but it is the definitive account of January 6th, and you won't have a hard time finding it because it's called January 6th, and you should pick it up. Welcoming back to the show, uh, the great Julie Kelly. Julie, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you doing this last minute. Thanks a lot. Oh, I'm always happy to be on, Dan. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, of course. So I follow you religiously on Twitter and Truth because uh, you're just always a source of incredible information I think my audience needs to hear, and I'm not ashamed to say it. One of my show prep sources uh, to go to is you. You had, matter of fact, one of the uh, one of the portions of today's show I covered and the reason I want to have you on was due to a tweet you had sent out yesterday. Uh, this abomination of a judge, and I use that term judge loosely, Judge Chutkin, who is clearly a political activist in D.C. So yesterday there was a uh, court filing and you got a hold of the transcript. And this is incredible that the government is now acknowledging in the persecution of Donald Trump in Washington, D.C., that there is not a single case they have ever pushed to trial in five months from indictment to trial, like they're doing with Donald Trump, not one, Julie, of the tens of thousands, this is the first time they're doing it, and they're not even shy about it. It's sitting right there in the filing. I mean, this is an obvious election interference effort and an effort to get ahead of the case in Florida, isn't it? It is, Dan, and I, I just posted the full transcript. You have to buy transcripts, so I bought it, and I was going to write an article on it, but nothing I could say, Dan, can do Tanya Chutkin's words justice. So I posted the full transcript on my Substack, Declassified with Julie Kelly. 
people have to read this, aside from the screenshots I posted yesterday. It's not just Dan that she admitted that there is not a single incident or example of a case in D.C. federal court going from indictment to trial in five months, which then she pushed to seven months thinking she's a big hero. I will tell you, in covering January 6 cases, the average time is about 14 months. And in high profile cases, say the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, it was almost two years before they went to trial. So the idea that she is that Donald Trump is expected to be ready to go to trial uh, in March, have pretrial motions ready in December. And the discovery in this case is already 12 million plus pages. And she's actually... Uh, of one of the most outlandish things she said in court on Monday was scolding Trump's lawyers asking why they hadn't been preparing for this case for a year. That's what she said. <laughs> Julie, even, C- even CNN, did you see the clip? <laughs> even CNN, that disgrace of a fake news outlet. I don't know if you saw the clip. Even the CNN legal guy was like, uh, judge, that's not the way this works, okay? Like, I don't like, hey, I want to lock up Julie Kelly for a fake crime. She doesn't know what's coming, but her lawyer should be preparing for it right now. Like, that's not how any of this works, Julie, it's at not, all. And, and you could tell John Loro, Trump's attorney, was completely gobsmacked at the idea that a federal judge is sitting there telling him that, first of all, you should have been preparing for this case a year ago, even though he was just hired a month and a half ago. Of course, the indictment was handed down on August 1st, but also going along with Jack Smith's um, claim that, well, you don't need to look at all of the discovery because a lot of this comes from Donald Trump's own entities and it comes from the January 6th committee report. So you guys already have all of this. It's publicly avail- available. That's what they said. Well, John Loro said, well, I don't know what the evidence, we didn't know what the charges were going to be. We don't know what evidence you're going to use, you know, as your case in chief, what you're going to present to the jury. We can go through the entire January 6th committee report. Who knows? 250 plus witnesses, grand jury testimony, subpoenas, FBI documents that they're expected to go through before December and January, make pretrial motions, and then proceed with jury selection. She is... When I saw her name appear on the docket, Dan, I thought, oh, God, Trump is doomed. I don't think he could do any worse. He really couldn't do any worse from picking any judge in the country. No, 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 forget any judge. Julie, any person with no legal experience at all. You could just randomly, you know, the William F. Buckley approach, pick out the phone book, go, ah, bah, 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 this guy. This is clearly a far left radical activist with no constitutional moorings whatsoever. I want to bring up two points on this, what you just said. I'm talking to Julie Kelly, author of the definitive book on January 6th called January 6th. Pick it up. By the way, Julie, not to get off track, but Julie and I worked on a project together, some cinematography, and um, that'll be coming out soon. So we'll have you and. Yeah, it's yeah. Julie, Julie knows what I'm talking about. It's like a movie yeah. kind of thingy. So, yeah. and let me tell you yeah. something. You think you know the story about what's happening? You ain't seen Squat. So you might see Julie in an appearance in that, and it's it's good. I got kind of a sneak peek, let's say. Oh, but good. Julie, a couple oh, points. Good. Oh yeah, I did. I saw. Oh oh yeah. Oh, it is just. It's, Can't wait. Let me tell you something. My my wife was crying at the end. Crying. It's oh, that emotionally moving. Oh, 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 wait. You'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It is that, good. it's that moving. So good. this is a ridiculous claim. 
So the, the, the government is now saying in the persecution of Trump, because the documents were in your possession, you're supposed to understand what the evidence is and already know it. And I thought of an analogy as a federal agent. I did a lot of bank fraud cases. Imagine they said that about a bank fraud case that Julie Kelly, say, received a deposit from a Nigerian prince seven years ago. <laughs> and the government just found this out. Like, you don't know that. Like, you just found this money in your bank account. Maybe it was $20 you didn't even notice. And now you're being charged with conspiracy. And the government goes, no, no, no. No, your lawyers don't need to review this. The bank records were in your possession. The point is, yes, they were in your possession, but they weren't being used against you as evidence in a crime that's totally different. That is a ridiculous assertion for the government to make. And even worse, the worst thing that she said in that hearing, if you can imagine, there was something worse. She compared January 6th to 9-11 and the, the Boston Marathon bombing. What a disgrace. What an insult to the thousands of people killed on 9-11, the eight-year-old little boy who was murdered at the Boston Marathon bombing. And here she is basically comparing Donald Trump to the 9-11 hijackers and to the Sarnev brothers who, you know, ter legitimately terrorized the city of Boston, not just killing three people, but injuring hundreds of people. So this is the kind of lunatic that Donald Trump has to deal with in this case. And it's not, you know, her setting the trial date in, in March is probably one of the least offensive things that she said or did in that hearing. But Dan, I also poured through thousands of pages of transcripts from January 6th cases in her courtroom. And I have a full report at Real Clear Investigations talking about more outrageous comments that she's made in court, suggesting Donald Trump should be behind bars, upset that he hadn't been charged already for January 6th, and calling January 6th an attempt to overthrow democracy, that it's what one of the worst crime scenes she's ever seen as a former public defender in Washington, D.C. She said January 6th, the Capitol is one of the worst crime scenes she's ever seen. She can barely no, the, look at the videos. No, the woman, the woman's an activist. She's, she's not a serious person. I'm going to get that. Do me a favor, Julie, text me that article because I'll tweet it out. Uh, during the break here. I want to get to something else, though, too, because I don't want to leave these guys behind. Uh, like I said, Julie and I have been involved in a project, let's say. Um, it's going to be coming out shortly. We'll have some announcements about it. It is one of the most, I think, important projects I've ever been involved in. And it describes the plight of a lot of people who, during January 6th, were, were tried like animals, were treated like animals, despite the fact that BLM and Antifa roam free, roam free to terrorize the countryside and the cities. Uh, you've got people, uh, you had people who've killed themselves, literally killed yes. themselves. Uh, yes. The stories are incredible. And you bring up, because you, you're, you're not letting up, you're, you're a bulldog. You're not letting up on this one bit. The two completely disparate systems of justice we have, where in one case, Judge Chutkin needs to speed up the trial to get ahead of the Florida trial so she can screw Trump over for the election. Yet in the other case with January 6th, Julie, it's kind of weird. They're not in any rush to get these people out of the gulag and get them to trial. And then one other thing I want you to address, they're adding domestic terrorism enhancers. I explain if you could. Yes. So um, what I was here for in D.C. this week was the sentencing of five members of the Proud Boys 
four of whom were convicted by a D.C. jury in April of seditious conspiracy. What this DOJ is doing, Matthew Graves, the D.C. U.S. attorney, who you'll recall declined to prosecute Hunter Biden for his tax crimes, um, nonetheless continues to run up January 6th or to this day. Um, so he has been bringing what's called domestic terror enhancements to sentencing, asking for excessive prison time for people who are convicted of obstruction of an official proceeding or seditious conspiracy. This is the case with the Proud Boys. But the trick is, Dan, and what I'll tell you, you know, I've been covering these cases for over two and a half years. Yesterday was probably the worst day I've ever had, just personally sitting there seeing these men, these Proud Boys, so broken. They didn't commit any violent crimes. They walked into a building, yes, with some of their language inflammatory. Is it things you and I wouldn't be saying in private chats? Sure. Um, But they're broken. They're in orange jumpsuits. Four of the men have been in jail since for two and a half, over two and a half years since their arrests in January and February. They're completely broken. Their family members could not even stand to go to the hear- the pre-sentencing hearing yesterday where Judge Tim Kelly, a Trump-appointed judge, an alleged conservative who has denied these men's rights, kept them in jail, like you said, as like animals, um, and then, of course, convicted quickly by a D.C.-based jury. Dan, he spent almost three hours reading an oral ruling regurgitating every facet of the government's case against the Proud Boys, talking about the idea that rattling a fence or someone breaking a pane of a window in the Capitol can now be considered a crime of domestic terror. This is what Judge Tim Kelly is prepared to do. Now, Amit Mehta, another Obama judge, has already done this in the Oath Keepers case. But the idea that a so-called conservative judge who has acted as nothing more than a rubber stamp for DOJ, an extra prosecutor, as one attorney told me, um, that he is going to now be poised to go along with DOJ using these petty offenses, low-level offenses, list them to the, um, you know, what has to meet a crime of domestic terrorism. Think about the dangerous precedents that this is setting, not just in Washington, D.C., but federal courts across the country. And um, I'll tell you, yesterday was probably one of the worst days. And a defense attorney walked out and looked at me and said, what you just saw was the end of a once great country. Yeah, I could I I follow you, like I said, uh, religiously on on Twitter. And I I could see I mean, I could see you folks. You can check out her writing. Yes. You were just pissed. I mean, there's no you. I could tell you were because you've been no one's been on this outside of you and Darren. Um, I mean, I know other people care about it. I'm not implying we're the only ones who give a damn, but you, there's no one who's covered as extensively as you two. You've lived in, and, and, and breathed with this case. Julie, let me ask you the last question. I only got about a minute left, but there is no justice in D.C. anymore. I hate to say this, and they wanted it that way, but you're, you're not safe there as a conservative. You will receive no due process. You have no right to an attorney, as they proved in the Donald Trump case. The Constitution, I hate to tell you, this has been declared null and void in D.C. if you're the wrong political stripe. That's right. And for those who thought this would just apply to January 6th, five pro-life activists who were charged yep. by this DOJ are now rotting in a D.C. jail after being convicted by D.C. jury. And the judge, another a Clinton judge, I believe, took them immediately into custody. They will yep. be in jail awaiting their sentencing now for blockading right. a Planned oh, Parenthood. Face Act. A face act. Nonsense face act garbage. 
that Mark Howe case. I mean, just you have no rights there, folks. I, I, I wish the Constitution is it's a suggestion only in Washington, okay. D.C. The book by Julie Kelly is called January 6th. It is the authoritative account of what happened that day. I promise you there are details in there you have never heard before. I strongly encourage you to check it out. Julie, thanks for coming on last minute. Always, uh, always great. We really appreciate it. Always an honor to be on, Dan. Thanks so much. And thanks for covering my work and for speaking out for these people. Yes, ma'am. They deserve it. Julie Kelly, folks. Great reporter. I mean, actual reporter. There are so few of those left. Follow her on Twitter and True Social. You won't be disappointed. You'll find out what's going on in D.C. You're not safe there. I'm warning you now. Up next, another great guest. But first, our next sponsor, MyPillow. You've supported MyPillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular product. You've heard me talk about the MySlippers, MyPillow 2.0, and more. Well, here's great news. The MyPillow six-pack of bath towels are back in stock. The proprietary technology makes them extremely absorbent, yet they still provide that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regularly priced $79.98 for a limited time, you can get the six-pack towel set of, uh, for only $39.99 with promo code DAN. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-637-4982 and use promo code DAN to save 50%. It's a great value on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. It's just $39.99 for a set. The deal won't last long. Enter promo code DAN for this special and many more. Thanks, MyPillow. Their products are great. Check out the MySlippers, too. They're fantastic. Sean Davis of The Federalist is one of our favorite guests. He tells it like it is no matter what the party, Republican or Democrat. We discuss the Democrat playbook and how they're going to try to do what they did in 2020, among other things. Check this interview out. You know, whenever uh, things get hairy, I love to go to this guy because he's a real truth teller who's not afraid to take on either Republicans or Democrats. He's got a history of doing it. Uh, if you're not following him on, on social media, you should. Uh, Sean Davis. Sean, welcome back to the show. We've been trying to get you for a while because uh, uh, we need our fix here. There's way too much going on. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, of course. We, we, we always love your takes on things. So, Sean, I want to talk a little bit about the debate obviously going on today. But before we get to that, in the first hour of the show, um, I, I was making a point. And, and if you think I'm exaggerating what's going on, please tell me, because I, I would love to calm down myself and reduce my own blood pressure. But they're running the same playbook, Sean. They're not even they're not even like flipping the page or just rewriting the same text. It's the covid hysteria. They're going to keep Biden in the basement using the covid hysteria. And then they're going to use that for a mass mail-in balloting thing where we know mail-in ballots are subject to higher rejection rates than in-person voting. They're doing it again. USA Today just wrote a piece about Biden in the basement. You're already seeing the mask nonsense and the craziness. Uh, and, and the mail-in balloting push, I promise you, is about to begin. The playbook is back again because they think it works and it'll work again. Your, your thoughts on that? I don't think you're crazy at all. Um, I, I think uh, we should absolutely be uh, on the lookout for them doing that. And the thing is, put yourself in the shoes of the left and the Democrat Party. Why wouldn't they run that play again? Like if you're <laughs> right, a football right. coach exactly. and you can run it up the gap and get 10 yards every time and they can't stop you, you'd be nuts to not run the same play again. So uh, hopefully right. this is a wake-up call to the idiots in charge of the Republican Party in Washington that, hey, if you morons want to have jobs like going out in the future, uh, if you want to keep your precious little sinecures and your nice little uh, uh, seats in Congress, you should probably do something about this. Because if you don't, they are going to take back the House next year. They'll take the presidency and they'll keep the Senate and they're going to pass the Supreme Court 
and then you know, Katie bar the door for whatever other nonsense they're going to push through. Yeah. Sean, we're talking to Sean Davis. Sean, the, um, the mask thing is the tip of the spear for them on this. It, you know, there's a reason for it. It's a fairly obvious one. It's a, you know, a visual symbol of fear and subjugation. You know, the whole guiding ethos of collectivists is subjugation, which requires axiomatically subjects. Um, and then they want you to look governed and, and they want you to look subjugated. And the mask is that symbol that, look, I complied. It's like a it's like a talisman uh, for the left. It's like a, a shibboleth, like a code word. Like, look at me. I'm a sheep and I'm proud. I'm a sheep. I did it. And I said to my audience before, I've got no easy answers for them. And I don't think I'm exaggerating this either. If you comply with this this time, it will never stop. Everybody has at least some form of immunity right now, the overwhelming majority of Americans. Can it be deadly? Of course. Is it likely going to be deadly for you? No, it's probably going to be a really nasty cold now because everybody's had some form of immunity at this point to this thing. If you comply now, Sean, this will never, ever stop. It'll come back every year and you'll be living with a freaking diaper on your face for the rest of your life. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. I mean, honestly, if you haven't had it by like at least three or four times by now, what are you even doing? Um, but but you're right about the mask. The mask is it, it's meant to signal so many different things. One, it, it signals about the person who's wearing it that they're, they're compliant, that they're fearful. Um, it also signals um, to, to people something dangerous is happening. You, you wouldn't be walking around and seeing people in masks unless they were trying to protect themselves from something. So I think the primary uh, objective of this masking thing is to instill this constant fear that if it's bad enough to have to walk around in a mask, well, obviously bad enough to where you can't go vote in person and you shouldn't be out shopping and, you know, we should do the whole thing by mail. And it, it's, uh, it's unacceptable. I mean, I think most of us, probably all your audience, uh, th there was no masking uh, in, in uh, where I am in, in 2020. The, the idea that they're going to do it again in 2023 to me is absolutely laughable. Because at least where I am, uh, you, you're out there wearing a mask and walking around, you're going to get mocked. Like, it's, it's just right. not acceptable <laughs> anymore. And, and I'm to the point where I just want to go up to people and say, I need you to take that off. It's making me uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. I, I agree with around, you. Around I mask. agree with you. We're talking to Sean Davis. Please make sure you follow him on uh, Twitter and all the social media platforms. Uh, what's your, uh, hold on, I just got to look. You. What's your Twitter? I want everyone. Oh, at Sean, at S-E-A-N-M-D-A-V. At Sean M-D-A-V. Follow this guy. You will not, you'll thank me later. His takes, you're going to say, damn it. Why didn't I think of that? Now, whenever I steal something from him, I footnote it. But I assure you, it happens often. Because I'm always like, I should have thought of that first. I could have claimed ownership. But it's okay, Sean. I kind of like my show lives vicariously through your cerebral cortex. Let me get your take on the debate tonight. So, um, listen, I'm a Donald Trump supporter. I love Ron DeSantis. He's the best governor in the country. I, I find a lot of the goings on just ridiculous and foolish. Why we're eating each other alive is frankly just dumb and completely counterproductive primaries are a good thing nasty personal primaries i don't think are um having said that i've tried to view this objectively uh, but you're i haven't gotten your take on this i don't i don't think trump should attend i i, I initially was like well he's a really good debater you know the entertainment portion he's got down and let's be honest politics is 90 percent entertainment but the more I thought about it, as he starts to pull away in the primary, it looks like a tactically kind of smart move.
because he's trying to clear out basically the number two lane while keeping the field big to split up the vote for plurality purposes. He doesn't want a solid number two. So if he gets off the stage and everybody beats up DeSantis or Vivek, it keeps everybody in the race longer thinking they could be number two. I mean, what do you think? You think he should have attended or smart move to stay out? Just as a consumer, uh, I'm bummed that he's not going to be there because I do find him (laughs) entertaining. And he's he's in peak form at debates. I mean, you go back and look at those 2016, 2015 primary debates. They were amazing. And it doesn't matter if you liked him or hated him. Everyone wanted to watch. So I'm I'm bummed we don't won't get to see him just because he's so entertaining in that context. I have generally two kind of inviolable rule of politics. One is. Whoever says the only poll that matters is on election day, that's the guy who's losing universally. And then two, the guy demanding a debate, that guy's also losing. And so from a tactical point of view, Trump's up by like, what, 40, 50, 60 points. What incentive on earth does he have to go and and debate? And and you look back at 2015, 2016, that was a close race. I mean, he, he was still winning primaries handily, but that was a close race. There's a lot going on. This isn't a race. It's Trump versus a lot of people uh, honestly trying to buy for attention for themselves. And why would he use himself and his star power to give them the attention they want to go after him? So just as a pure political matter, of course, he's not going to go to it. There's no incentive for him to go to it. Yeah, I I agree. And having run for office, I can uh, attest fully to what Sean is saying. You know, I was the underdog in pretty much every race I was in, and we were always the ones, you know, calling for our opponent to debate because it's an opportunity for you to hopefully get a zinger in and to kind of ride their coattails to some free, uh, you know, earned media. So you're 100% right. On the debate stage tonight, though, uh, you know, you're one of these no BS guys. It's what I like about following you. You don't, you know, you don't don't put these nonsense kind of like cliched political talking points out there. But I'm hearing a lot of stuff out there about the debates and I was watching some cable news this morning and a couple of really smart guys were like, you know, people want to hear about the issues and all this stuff. Sean, I got to be honest with you. I I don't really think that's the case at all. I think people generally understand the issues. I I think that's kind of a dumb thing to say. People get that pretty much every conservative on the stage is going to go for school choice, reduce taxes, hopefully some semblance of a balanced budget or restraint on government spending. People get that. I think it's more of kind of a commander in chief test that people want to see someone with some leadership skills who's relatable. And that's a word I did not hear on TV at all this morning on any of the cable news channels. People want someone who's relatable. I mean, let's be honest. Trump's substantive portions of the debate, Sean, were not good. The nuclear triad thing was a disaster. The Planned Parenthood answer was not great, but he just seemed relatable. He was funny. You know, he seemed like a guy who had enough bravado that he could be, you know, president. I think it's more about that, the interpersonal stuff. I I think the issue stuff is kind of secondary. Yeah, and and looking back at 2015, 2016, what Trump communicated in those debates is was I'm not one of these people. I don't talk like these people. I don't think like (laughs) these people. I'm going to go up there and call Rosie uh, O'Donnell a fat pig and then be like, yeah, see, I'm not politically correct. That's what people loved is because they were desperate for somebody who wasn't from the system, who wanted to go inside and blow up the system. And that's why Trump ran away with it is because they knew he was that guy. They didn't think anyone else was. 
they go out there with their platitudes or, you know, the gentleman from here and the gentleman from there. And I have a long history of co-sponsoring bills. Like everyone's done with that crap. And it's similar in this election. Republican voters want to hear two things. Okay, first off, they want to know, how are you going to beat the crooked left and prevent them from rigging another election in 2024? Number two, what are you going to do to completely destroy this corrupt deep state, this lawless regime that throws its enemies in prison and gives its friends get out of jail free cards? Those are the only two things people care about in the Republican Party. They don't care about you trashing Trump. They don't care about uh, some letter you wrote, and they don't care about your 10-year history of co-sponsoring bills no one's ever heard of. They want to know, how are you going to crush the left, and how are you going to keep them from stealing this election? That's it. Follow Sean on Twitter and uh, True Social. He is at Sean M, M M-D-A-V. Give him a follow. Sean, um, last question for you. As a guy who... Nobody understands government spending better than you, given your, you know, your prior uh, work up there, diagnosing all this waste and crap. I-, I see two major problems right now. The first problem is obviously the police state. It's clearly out of control uh, between the weaponization of the FBI and the Department of Justice. We can't have a representative democracy moving forward. The second biggest problem is the mathematical mathematical certainty of a de facto bankruptcy. It's not going to be a classic Chapter 11. We can print our own money. Uh, but it doesn't matter if we inflate away the value of our currency and everything you have in our currency denominated assets is worthless. You're effectively bankrupt. I mean, you can have a wheelbarrow full of money, but it's not going to buy anything. I see those as the two major problems. The police state, I think, is fixable because personnel or policy. If we elect a Republican as president and we just do mass firings. But I'm genuinely concerned about the financial state of the country as a guy who's looked at the books um, do you think this is even savable at this point, or is is a, is a de facto bankruptcy inevitable? I don't think it's inevitable. Um, I, I do think there are things we can fix. But but if you just, I, I was having a conversation with a friend at lunch today, and we we're talking about uh, what things cost when we were kids. You know, our parents could get a house for fifty thousand uh, dollars on one income. They could send their kids to college. They could have cars that worked. You look at things now, you're not getting a house for under, you know, 200 or 300. Mortgage rates are uh, 8%. New cars are 50 grand. College is 200 grand. Uh, it's impossible to do anything on, on a single income. Uh, and it's because of what our government has done to the currency and what it's done to the budget. They spend money like they're a bunch of drunken sailors. Uh, and, and, and then they go and inflate away the value of our money to help pay off the debt that they ran up. So, like, the first thing you have to do is just stop spending all this money that we can't afford to spend. It's like Dave Ramsey talking to people. If you spend more than you make each month, you're going to be in debt. Maybe you should stop doing that. So that's the first thing we have to do. And then Medicare and Social Security are going to bankrupt the country if they're not reformed uh, rapidly because yeah. our, our unfunded liabilities there are like $100 trillion. It's unsustainable. Yeah, I keep trying to tell people that, Sean. I only got about 30 seconds left, but... It is a mathematical certainty these programs are going to go bankrupt. We could stop this now. We could say to everyone 55 and older, listen, your life's been organized around this. We get it. We're going to fund this out of the general fund. There's no trust fund. It's, it's all a myth. But 55 or younger, I'm really sorry. It's over. There's just no money. And it, I, I think our bond rating would go through the roof right away as people realize we were serious. Sean, thanks so much for your time. We love having you back. It is an open invitation for you anytime you want to come on. And uh, uh, I'm sure you're going to be watching the debate tonight. So hopefully maybe we can get you back next week with some analysis. We really appreciate your time. You're the best, Dan. Thanks for having me. You got it. Sean Davis, folks, a good guy right there. And I mean a good man. 
He don't give a damn what your party is. He just cares about the future of the country. Give him a follow on social media. It's worth your time. Thanks for listening to the special Sunday podcast we put together for you. If you want to listen to the radio show, go to my website, Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder and find out where we're on near you or listen to the website, Bongino.com. See you all next week. You just heard Dan Bongino.